Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, like I said, we've got nine interns and tonight we're going to hear from all nine of them. And uh, before we move into our time of preaching, we're going to hear from a young man who joined us at the beginning of the year. And I'd love it if you could welcome to the stage, Mr. Tim Jones. Everyone say hi, Tim. Tim, how are you going? Have you been enjoying the internship program? I've been enjoying every step of the way. Fantastic. That's what I like to hear. I paid him for that. <laughs> hey, Tim, I know you prepared something. Why don't you share with us a, a highlight for you or a testimony that you've got out of this year? Yeah, okay. Um, when I first heard about this internship, I thought uh, my first thought was, no way, it's going to be way too stressful for me. But um, after talking through it with my parents and with Phil and Andre, I decided that I might as well give it a shot. Um, one of my worries uh, was I was going, uh, that I was going to be doing it with eight other people that I didn't really know too well, um, as I find it a challenge to relate to my peers at times. Um, one, of, one of my highlights uh, was getting a chance to work with the year five, six, seven boys um, in, uh, during my time at youth since I'd never been a youth leader before, so it was a great new experience for me. Come on. Good, Tim. This internship has been uh, so much better than I thought that I thought it would be. Yeah, I've on. made so many new friends. I've got to experience prayer meetings. Got to know uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the leaders. Um, I think uh, this has helped helped me to grow as a person and has also strengthened. Yeah, come on. And, and, and as has also strengthened my relationship with God. And yeah. I, I can't wait for what the next six months has for me. Yeah, come on. Why don't we give Tim a hand? Thanks a lot, Tim. You're amazing and we love you. Thank you. Let's give Tim a hand. Come on. I'm so proud of Tim. And, you know, everyone has a next step. Everyone is on a journey. And as part of our Equip Internship Program, we like to work with people where they're at. And some people are here and some people are here and we work with you to make the most of your year here at Victory Church as part of the program. You know, we're going to hear from five amazing preachers and I'd like to reaffirm what Pastor Tony just shared. You know, as these guys are preaching, I'd love it if you would preach back to them. It is daunting being up here, except for Chloe by the sounds of it. But I'd love it if you could make some noise as they're preaching, really encourage them reaffirm what they're saying, tell them what they're saying is good because they want to hear it and they've been working hard at what they do. So I'm going to welcome them on stage. This isn't them. Here they are. <laughs> Thank you guys bringing the chairs out. <laughs> Amazing job. We're going to welcome them on stage and our first intern tonight, I want, to, I want you to make some noise for Miss Alex Scott. Come on. Mr. Josh Sekovitz, Jordan Rainbow, Nat Hodgson, and Alicia Scott. Come on, you can be louder than that. Come on, make some noise. Can you pick the odd one out? The one in the middle forgot her denim jacket, so. <laughs> That's all right, I forgot mine as well. Truth be told, I don't have one. I'm not cool enough to have a denim jacket. 
Hasn't got a microphone and still wants to be the centre of attention. <laughs> I've got the microphone now, all right? <laughs> now, our interns have had a great time uh, in the last six months, and I'm going to um, let them share about that in a moment. But, uh, you know, recently they got the opportunity to go over and be a part of Hillsong, uh, the conference that they had there recently, and that was a great experience for the interns. But more than that, they got to get along to uh, Canberra to a church called Fusion, Fusion City Church, which is uh, their great friends of Victory Church, run by friends of ours, Matt and Jill McGaw, our youth pastor's parents. And uh, they got the opportunity to go along and partner with some, those friends and really uh, help them and support them for a Sunday service. And that was a real highlight for many of them. And it was great to see them grow in that area. And uh, they're going to build on that tonight to be able to share some of the thoughts that they brought at that uh, time at Fusion City Church. So as I said, as they get up and as they share their messages, I'd encourage you to make some noise, encourage them because it is daunting being up here. But we're going to get straight into it. Our first person tonight preaching the Word is none other than Miss Alex Scott. Why don't you make some noise? Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, before I go, I just want to thank, you know, Tone and Kath and Phil and Andre and Sarah just for this, like, awesome internship opportunity. It's just been such a blessing in my life and doing life with these I was going to say crazy weirdos, but they're like my family. I love them to bits. <laughs> but yeah, so for those of you who don't know me very well, um, I've grown up, luckily, I've been blessed to grow up in a Christian home and I've had a relationship with God for as long as I can remember. But, you know, looking back at my faith then to, compared to my faith now, thankfully a lot has changed. So I know, I think this is the case for a lot of kids, but when I was younger, I used to see God more as a genie kind of figure. You know, someone that would instantly grant my wishes as soon as I asked for something. But, you know, I thought if I'd squeeze my eyes really tight and clench my fist that God would magically just, you know, answer my prayers. But, you know, you come to the quick realisation that that's not how God works. And uh, so quick story time for you. I have an example of this. So I was seven years old and it was my next door neighbour's. Yeah, it's the same story coming, guys. Um, it was her fifth birthday and I had the heads up that she was getting a trampoline for her birthday and I was real jealous because I never had one. And I was like, oh... All right. Anyway, so I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do, you know, selfish little seven-year-old Alex. I'm like, I'm going to do this backflip at my friend's party and like, impress all of her friends because, you know, that's what you would do, take the spotlight away from the birthday girl. Anyway, oh, so I, I wait for all the parents to go inside for lunch and I get all these kids. I'm like, gather around the trampoline, guys, come around. I've got something to show you. And, like, she was on the trampoline. I'm like, get off, get off. Um, so <laughs> I was like, oh guys, I'm going to do this flip. And, you know, bear in mind, I've had no gymnastics lessons, like, in my life. I don't know why I thought maybe too much faith in God. But, you know, so, um, you know, like they do in the Olympics, I do this preparation jump. So the first jump was awesome. You know, second jump is great. Third jump, I slipped. And no joke, I hit my head in, you know where there's the corner of the trampoline and then the springs? I got my head caught in the springs. Like this, yeah, this is before trampolines had, you know, the foam and like the safety net but yeah here's me so you know I played off cool I kind of just get off the trampoline and like run to the back of her um shed because I'm like I don't want these little kids to see me anyway I start crying but I have this big like gash from like, the middle of my head across my eyebrow and I don't know if I was more scared of my mum's reaction or I actually was you know dealing with a lot of pain but I was like god I need you right now like game time so I remember going like <laughs> <laughs> so I remember being like, okay, God, and I pushed my hand up to my head really hard and I was like, God, I need you to heal me now. And I waited a few seconds and I like, checked you know, under the fringe 
and it was still there. And I was like, oh, well, maybe he's just warming up, not really hearing me. Like, come on. So I did it again. And I was like, God, heal me now. And, you know, that didn't work either. And I swear this went on for about a period of 30 minutes until, you know, I realised, you know, God's he's not going to do anything about it. It's just me being an idiot, basically. But, you know, you know, going up, I quickly realised that God's not a genie and that's not how he works. And, you know, it's extremely unlikely for him to, you know, quickly answer your prayer as soon as you ask him. And, you know, when you mature as a Christian, you come to the point where you have to put your total faith in God. But this also means putting your faith in his timing and his plan for you. And, you know, when I was reading the Bible, I found a biblical character who, you know, showcases his total faith in God. And this character is Joseph. And so for those who don't know, in Genesis 37, we see the story of Joseph, a young man who is the youngest of 11 boys and also his father's favourite son. So Joseph was pretty anointed, almost as anointed as Dan Cleasy. Um, (laughs) Nah, he's a good lad. But yeah, anyway, so... I don't know if this happens to Dan Cleasy, but God used Joseph's dreams to speak to him. So basically, yeah, so God gives Joseph these amazing visions through his dreams. And in one specific dream, Joseph gets this image of his 10 older brothers bowing down to him. I don't know if this was me, I would do the exact same thing. So Joseph went up to his brothers and he's like, hey guys, like, you guys going to bow down to me one day? And being his older brothers, they were like, ah, oh, not likely, pal. And uh, like, they were, it got really tense really fast. So some of them wanted to kill him. Some of them wanted to feed him to the wild animals. But, you know, they decided they sell him to slavery so they could make some money. So, you know, even after God promised Joseph that he would be a powerful ruler, he found himself being sold into slavery and like later thrown into prison. Like, tough luck, man. But yeah, you know, even though Joseph was in a situation that clearly wasn't his fault and it was unfair, he chose to maintain total faith in God. Yeah, and when he was in prison, he actually took used his time to interpret dreams, thus bringing glory to God. And, yeah. you know, like Joseph, we need to be willing to change us, our mindset before God changes our circumstance. Yeah. And, you know, we have to understand that our situation isn't permanent in light of eternity and God always keeps his promises. So I remember when I was younger and it would get to around four or five o'clock in the afternoon, you know, that period just before dinner, but it's been a while since lunch. And I just remember getting instantly starving, like not much has changed, right? So (laughs) I remember I'd go up to mum and I'd be like, oh, mum, I'm starving. I need a snack. And she'd be like, no, like dinner's literally in 40 minutes. I think you can wait. And I was like, no, like, I don't know if I'll make it. Like, please. And I'd nag and nag and nag. And the answer would always be no, because, you know, mum, being older and mature and wiser, knew that if I had a snack, I'd spoil my dinner. And, you know, I think this is the same with God because he won't always give us what we want straight away because he doesn't want to spoil what he has waiting for us. Yeah, you know? come on. So and what he has waiting for us is much, much greater. And a clear example for this in my life, I'm going to get real with you guys. So for the last two years, I have been in a job that I've experienced some harassment and I haven't really been treated very fairly. So I've been looking for a different job. And, you know, I've been to countless interviews. I've put my resume in like legit, like 300 times, like not even funny. But it was getting to the point where we were going to Hillsong Conference and I was like, they say come expectant, come for breakthrough. And I was like, God, you know, if I could get, you know, give me guidance about what job to go for, that would be awesome. But, you know, I got to the point where, you know, I applied for this job the other week. It was just before Winter Project. And I was like, oh, it was an after-school care. And I was like, oh, you know, 
Now, there's a lot of people that are probably more qualified for me, but you know, I'll just go for it. I've got God, you know. And if it was, I was, it had in my head though, you know, if he wanted me to have this job, then I had it. If it wasn't, there's something else ahead. But so anyway, you know, I go to this job interview and it went fine. And I was like, oh, cool. And I don't think much else about it. And then the other day I was out for lunch with Phoebe in Mawson Lakes. We were just chilling, you know, at Nick's barbecue, having some chips. And uh, I get this phone call from this unknown number. And I was like, I almost didn't answer because I was like, I hate when people, you know, just try to sell me stuff over the phone. But thankfully I answered. And it was the Osh. And they're like, yeah, we'd like to offer you the full-time position. Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Thank you all. But yeah, so I'm literally there. I start sobbing and Phoebe's like, don't cry, don't cry. And then she starts to cry and I've got chips in my mouth and it just wasn't pretty. <laughs> but, you know, I can see now that if I'd been given a job as soon as I asked God, it may not have been the right job for me. And, you know, I would not be as half as grateful as I am to God for His provisions as I am now. So, you know, just as Joseph did, we should be asking God to grant us peace for our tough situations, not expecting Him to simply be a genie who instantly fixes our problems and grants our wishes. Because, you know, being a Christian is well and fine and easy when everything's going great. But, you know, true faith is showcased when the going gets tough. Yeah, um, come on. You know, we have to make the conscious decision whether or not we would choose to have faith in God and that he's, know that He specifically paces us in every season for a purpose. So yeah, come on. when I was at Hillsong, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, there's this singer from America, her name's Lauren Daigle, and she, I think it's Daigle, it's probably, her last name's probably wrong, sorry. Um, but yeah, basically she has a song called Trust, and some lyrics really spoke to me while I was there, and it says, When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I would trust in you. And I was like, ooh, conviction. Like, so you know, I think it was basically saying, you know, God was saying to me, you know, you can be a Christian, you're doing really well, you know, leading people to God when things are going well, but what are you doing when it's hard for you? You know, like, are you still pushing into me? Are you still drawing close to me? And I was really convicted by that. But, you know, God really challenged me with this song and it made me ask myself, how much do I really trust in Him and how often do I fully submit to Him and rely on my faith during tough seasons? So my words for you would be, remember God rewards us for our faithfulness. And, you know, we don't know His timing. We don't know His purpose as humans, but always take comfort in knowing that God is your Father. He loves you and He only wants the best for you. Thank you. Yeah, come on. Let's give Alex a hand tonight. God rewards your faithfulness. What a great word. Thank you, Alex. Why don't you stay up standing as we welcome Mr. Josh Sakovitz. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Well, it is an absolute pleasure to be with you guys tonight, just to be able to share. It's an absolute privilege. Thank you, Tone and Kath. Thank you, the rest of the team, for being able to prepare us with this. Um, you know, as nice as it is to share with you tonight, I, the fact that it is tonight in particular of all nights comes as a bit of a tragedy to me, because I absolutely love TV. And, you know, <laughs> brand new TV series is starting right now, Channel 9, 7 o'clock, in two minutes, actually. You know... <laughs> And, you know, I'm going to miss out because I'm here, because I love the Lord. Amen. Um, you know, thank God for TiVo. Um, yeah, tonight the block starts. Um, I'm a massive blockhead. I love Scotty Cam. I love the team. But, you know, the... <laughs> you know, the absolute favourite thing about the block is the fact that, you know, it's not about the drama like, you know, some other shows on Channel 7, My Kitchen Rules are about, you know, it's not about that, it's, it's about, you know, the perfect marriage of awe-inspiring architecture and just jaw-dropping interior design, it's just absolutely amazing, I love it, I love it. 
But, you know, before anyone can start building their amazing houses, you know, they, you know, because they want to sell them, make that little bit of cash for themselves, they have to start by tearing up the entire house, the entire old foundation. So, because you want to do things properly, they have to tear up that foundation. Now, the purpose of having a foundation is to bear the weight of the house so that it may stand tall. Now, in Matthew 7, Jesus told a parable of two builders who built two houses, one who built his house on a rock, the other one who built his house on a beach. And, you know, when rough weather came, look, against these houses, the one on the sand kind of, look, I'd buy it for about $2. The one on the rock, that, that's a multi-million dollar Beverly Hills kind of stuff. You know, the rock that he built it on was a solid, consistent foundation. You yeah, could trust yeah. in it. And, you know, just like us as Christians, we need to have a solid foundation, you yeah, know. Yeah. And the thing about foundations is they need to be consistent. They can't be all over the place, you know. And for us, same thing. We have to be consistent in our church attendance. We have to be consistent in our devotions. We have to be consistent in living out what we actually, you know, what we say. Um, you know, these are the things that, you know, it's going to be your foundation that's going to bear the weight of your entire walk with God. Yeah. Now, the things that beat against your house, your winds and rains, they're going to look absolutely different to anyone. The winds in Adelaide are going to be different to the winds in Antarctica. You know, um, you know they may be welcome, like for a farmer in a drought, and they may be like a job offer or a relationship or, you know, it might be an absolute tsunami of unfortunate events. You know, your car breaks down, you're late to your work, you get fired because you're late, then you go home and then your wife leaves you because you forgot to feed the dog and now your dog's not fed. And it's just... I, I'm definitely speaking from experience here. Now... These things, they all interrupt your consistency and, you know, they wear you down. If you have an old foundation, you know, it's not built up to code, it's, it's going to ruin itself. It's not going to stand firm when you need it to stand firm. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that begs the question, why do we actually need a firm foundation? Yeah, it's all good that we can weather the storms, but, you know, we are building a strong foundation so that we can build a taller house. Yeah, now, the, the taller house, according to Matthew 5.14, you know, we are the light of the world. The taller the house, the more people can see it. A city on a hill yeah, cannot on. be hidden. If, we don't ha if we're not built on a hill, let's build a hill for ourselves and just reach above yeah. skies. And, you know, the problem is the higher the building, the stronger the winds. You know, it's gonna, more yeah. stuff's going to come at you. Yeah, Everything's going to get a lot harder, but you know yeah. what? The view's way better from up there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and you, and you know, the house we're building isn't a house for ourselves. It's the house of God. You know, yeah. we ha each have our own part to play, you know, from the back of the room to the front, to the people in the kids' ministry, to the people on the sound desk. You know, we all have our part to play, and, you know, we only have one shot at this life, and... Yeah. You know, it's, it's precious and we need to get it right because every day yeah. we don't yeah. take advantage of building that foundation is, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a smaller building that we're building right there. It's just, we want a big, beautiful building and, you know, we've got to get this right. Yeah. Thank you. Let's give Josh a hand. Come on. What a great job you did, Josh. Thank you so much. And uh, it's true, the foundations of our life are just so important. But while you're standing, why don't you give a hand to Jordan Rainbow. Thanks, Phil. Um, so for those of you who are new here, I'm one of a family of five. And we got an awesome privilege to go up to Queensland a few months ago. And one of those days we decided to visit Australia Zoo. My um, 
younger sister, Bailey, loves going to the zoo. So we're like, we're going to do that. So something else about Bailey is that she loves soft toys. Like she sleeps with a pile of 20 each night and they're different each <laughs> night. Um, so we rock up to Australia Zoo and right by the check-in is the gift shop. And the windows are lined, like from bottom to top with all different soft toys, all their beady eyes just staring right out the window. And I just see Bailey's eyes light up. Like they go huge. And she turns to mum, she's like, mum, I want a soft toy. And mum's like, oh, we'll see. Haven't you got plenty of those? <laughs> um, so anyway, we check in and we go see the tigers. And the thing about the zoo is they have little gift shops at every animal. So there's more soft toys. And so again, mum, I want a soft toy. Then we go to the crocodiles. She wants a soft toy. And we go to the elephants. Again, she's saying she wants a soft toy. Then we go to the crocodiles and she wants a soft toy because those who have been to Australia Zoo know that there's crocodiles everywhere spread out across the zoo. Um, so this goes on all day. And I'm not kidding. From the start of the day to when we walk out, this is all she's saying, all she's saying. And if for any of you who have been to a zoo or a theme park, you'll know that the exit is through the gift shop. And so as soon as we walk in, Bailey's gone. And we're like, she's veered left and she's in the soft toy aisle. And she's just doing like, walking around in circles, like totally like, oh my gosh, which one? She's like, mum, please, can I have a soft toy? And mum says, you know what, because you've asked uh, so many times, you can have one. And so she picks one and then we finally get to go home. And the thing is, I learnt two things that day. One, who the favourite child was. <laughs> and two, I learnt that the frequency in which she asked showed how much she desired it and determined whether she got yeah, it. Um, see, this, this actually reminded me of a story in the Bible of the persistent widow. And it says in Luke 18, verses 2 to 5, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she doesn't come and eventually attack me. See, this widow was persistent day in, day out. Yeah. And as a result, even the unjust judge couldn't deny her of what she wanted. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we see God as an unjust judge when really he's just waiting for us to ask for something long enough and yeah. persist in something to know how much we want it. You see, God values persistence. Have you ever noticed how rare persistency is these days? I mean, parents. Remember those toys your child begged you to have for weeks and months? They had to have it. And now they're lying all over the floor collecting dust. And I mean youth, fidget spinners. By the time I bought one, no one was using them anymore. <laughs> you see, persistency speaks to people. It conveys trust and shows what's really in your heart. This is the same with God in our prayer life. If we are honest with ourselves, how often are we actively praying day, uh, every day for what we really desire? 
Or how often do we pray once and then accuse God of being unjust? You see, we need to get those things we want and pray every day into them so that God sees the desire in our heart and can fulfill them. You see, even the unjust judge couldn't deny the persistent widow of what she wanted. How much more a God who is just and loves us. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, come on, let's give Jordan a hand. Thank you so much, Jordan. You guys are doing great. Thank you for preaching back. These guys are doing an awesome job. Why don't you keep your hand of raise going for Mr. Nat Hodgson. Isn't uh, my girlfriend pretty good? Yeah. And so are the others. Um, she's uh, my girlfriend. I'm not her boyfriend. It's just every time someone comes around, it's Nathaniel, uh, Jordan's boyfriend. But so, it doesn't hurt. It's okay. Um, so if you don't know me, I am Nathaniel. Um, and I'm one of the online interns, and it's such a great opportunity to be in this environment, just being saturated with so much growth. And um, if you don't know me, I love rock climbing, I love bushwalking, I love the outdoors, much to Jordan's dislike. But um, my dad, he runs in the family, and my dad's a, a teacher in the field, and we used to do these camps where dad would go away and he'd teach instructors on how to be bushwalking leaders. And I used to go on these camps as a young nine-year-old Nathaniel and they had this one night where it was a search and rescue and they'd be go out looking for these lost kids as a practice and I was one of those lost kids. So they'd, they'd go out at 7am in the morning and right up to the next morning, early morning, uh, early hours of the morning, about 12am, 1am, we'd get put out there cause, so we didn't have to wait there all day. Um, and so I would be put on this hill all by myself in the dark, in the cold, in the wind, in the rain, and waiting for these people to come find me. And I remember my first time I did it, because I did it a few times. I waited, 12.30, 1.30, 2 o'clock, they finally came. This was a terrible group. I don't reckon any of them passed. But I finally got there while I was thinking of the worst things that could happen, like Wolf Creek scenarios. I hadn't watched it yet, but Wolf Creek, like, what if, what if someone else finds me first? But, but it was all good. They found me, and they ended up assessing my pretend broken leg, and they ended up carrying me out on a stretcher. And it was them that were finding me that was the reason why I got saved and the reason that I was able to be taken to safety. And similarly, in Mark 2, where we read a story of a paralyzed man who was carried by four other men to where Jesus was uh, teaching. And so I'll pick it up in verse 3. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they saw they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then it goes on to say that Jesus healed the man. Um, These four men that carried the paralytic, they had the compassion and the faith to know that if they just got this man to Jesus, there may be an opportunity for him to be healed. But imagine, imagine the disappointment when they're like, the room's packed. We can't get in there. They took one step further and like, we got to do it. We got to we get him onto the roof. We got to dig through that roof. And we're not talking about like a few tiles they just had to peel back. They had to dig through like a foot of mud and hay flattened, like hardened. This house has been there for a long time. And after they had dug through that roof with their bare hands, because I don't know about you, I don't carry a shovel on me. Like... 
they probably didn't have a shovel. So they dug through this roof to lower the stretcher down. And even then, like, who knew if after they dug that hole, after they lowered that man down, if Jesus would even heal them. But it was their faith that Jesus saw. Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see all the effort they put in. He saw their faith that ended up eventually healing the man. Now, uh, a great evangelist, Billy Graham, said, Tears shed for self are tears of weakness, but tears shed for others are signs of strength. And it was this man's, these men, four men's compassion and tears of strength that saw this man healed. healed. Um, but all this effort took faith, and if these men's were, men were to procrastinate, they would never have seen the man healed. Like, I don't know about you, but I love procrastinating, and I'm sure every one of you this Sunday afternoon, you should have gone home, youth, but instead you went out for lunch and didn't do the schoolwork, especially after the first week back. I know in year 11, I would uh, use running as a procrastination, sorry, mum and dad, but I'd run every night um, instead of doing my homework, and like, who's going to stop your child from going to do exercise when you should be doing homework? Yeah, so yeah, sorry, mum. Um... But um, sometimes it, procrastination doesn't just impact you, and it impacts the people around you. Yeah. Wow. Um, and similarly, your faith. If you procrastinate about your faith, if you just think it's too hard, and nah, it doesn't really matter, it's, it's not going to happen, and it will inf- affect people around you. Yeah. Um, because it's the faith, the, it was the faith that saw the men healed. In Mark 10, there's a story of the blind man, and Jesus said to him, Go away, your faith has made you well. In Mark 5, it talks about a woman with a problem with blood, and all she had to do was touch Jesus, and Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and you will be healed of your disease. And in Luke 8 again, where Jesus tells a father that his deceased daughter will be well, because all he has to do is believe, and she will be well. It's this faith that sees people healed around you. Yeah, come on. So from this story, it's obvious that it's the faith that saw the paralytic man healed. So who are your friends? Who are your family that are paralyzed? Not physically, but mentally and spiritually. Yeah, who, need you to, who needs you to carry them from where they are to where they need to be? Yeah, come on. Or maybe it's something... Or maybe it's something in your own life that looks like it's going to be too much of hard work and you don't have faith in yourself to see it change. So just like the four men whose faith allowed a man's life to be changed, will you use your faith to impact the life of others? Or is the journey too long and the roof too thick? Wow. Come on. That's amazing, Nat. Thank you so much, man. Who are you carrying to see them to their next step? Thank you, Nat. And already up here with me, why don't you make some noise for Miss Alicia Scott. Yeah. Hey everyone. <laughs> so yeah, I would also just like to thank Pastor Tony and Kath and Phil and Andre for this incredible opportunity. It's a real privilege to be able to be here with you all. So I remember as a kid desperately wanting a particular item and so I would constantly ask my parents for weeks because I felt like if I didn't get what I want, it was basically the end of the world. And yes, I was quite an overdramatic child. (laughs) But eventually my parents would give in and they would just give me what I want. And so I would be really excited and using it all the time and showing all my friends. And in that moment, I thought that I was satisfied. I was like, cool, I got what I want, so I'm good. (laughs) But then... 
weeks would go by and I found myself using what I got less and less to the point where I wouldn't even touch it anymore and eventually it would just get thrown in the bin and so something that I once thought I desperately needed ended up not lasting because it wasn't enough and then after that I would go and desperately need something else and it would just be a repeated cycle of me thinking I need something only when having received it I would find myself in a place of dissatisfaction and so my question for you is what do you think you need that you actually don't? These could be things such as relationships, you know, you might think you really need someone and you actually don't, or it might be an addiction or a job or whatever it is, these things might feel good in the moment, but they're actually only temporary, when in reality, Jesus is the only one that can actually satisfy your needs. And so I'm going to be talking about how to depend on God and getting satisfaction from Him. So uh, book in the Bible that I found that can relate to this is the Samaritan woman. So have your Bibles with you if you want to turn with me to John chapter 4 verse 7 to 15 which says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So as you can see, the Samaritan woman didn't really believe that Jesus was capable of giving her what she needed. And this was because she didn't actually know who Jesus was. She just kind of saw him as a Jew, which is someone that she wasn't actually supposed to associate with. And so because of this, she hadn't experienced the love that Jesus had for her before. She wasn't familiar with his presence. She didn't really recognise his voice. And so she started questioning Jesus in verse 11. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? So you might be sitting here questioning God, are you really enough? Are you going to provide for me? Can you make me feel better than my addiction makes me feel? Can you satisfy me more than that person satisfies me? Uh, So the first thing you need to do in order to depend on God is to know God by spending time with Him on a daily basis, becoming familiar with His presence and recognising His voice and the words of life that He can breathe into your soul. You'll find that He is enough, He will provide and He does love and want the best for you. You see, the more you know Jesus, the more you'll crave Him and the less you'll depend on other things to satisfy you because in verse it's 13 to 14, it says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So if you, have, if you go to anything but God to get what you need, you will just keep craving more of something that is never going to satisfy you. But if you go to God, you won't have to look any further. See, God knows you. He knows your fears. He knows how that addiction helps your pain in that moment. He knows that you're scared of getting rejection. He gets that, but he actually knows who he is. He knows that he is greater than your addiction. He is greater than your fears. He is greater than your insecurities and he's able to bring you a freedom that you have never experienced before. 
And so now you just have to choose. Would you rather depend on an imperfect person or an addiction to satisfy you? Or would you rather depend on an all-knowing, all-powerful yeah. God who needed you together in your mother's wounds, who desperately is in love with you to the point where he sent his son to die for you just so he can be with you? See, what if you turn your desperation for that addiction into desperation for Jesus? Yeah. What if you craved and longed for God's presence more than more than you did somebody else's affection. Yeah. If you just go before God and say, Lord, I think I need this, but I actually know that I need you more yeah. and the change that it can bring to your life. Yeah. So you can't experience true satisfaction from God if you're choosing to depend on other things to satisfy you. But by intentionally seeking God, getting to know Him and choosing Him to replace him with what you depend on. You will no longer need what you once thought you needed and you'll experience a life more fulfilling than you can ever imagine. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.